This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Coming up on Stu Does America. It's been a little while since our last installment in the Andrew Cuomo is awful timeline series. So tonight, maybe we'll finally see how he finished screwing up in March. Then the resurgence Drew Holden calls in to discuss John Bolton and remind us that media's new golden mustache boy was viciously hated by them when he wasn't helping their narrative. And Blaze TV's Pat Gray swings in to talk about our national anthem and why he will kill us all, and then himself, if we switch it to John Lennon's Imagine. Can't happen. Subscribing, liking, and commenting on our videos on YouTube is a huge help in smashing the algorithm bots that are determined to censor rational conservative voices. Click that thumbs up uh, right now, if you would. Just, just right now. Just, just, just click it if you're on YouTube. You can also find the show for free every single night by searching YouTube for Stoop. I'll be the first one there. Every click you make, every view you take, I'll be thanking you. Even that song would be a better anthem than Imagine. And feel free to enjoy the show, minus my stupid face, on all your favorite podcast providers. Just be sure to leave behind a five-star review and subscribe. Finally, subscribe to blazetv.com slash stew and use the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show. And I get to take 10 bucks off. I had to wrestle our web guy to get that discount, by the way. I'm not entirely sure why Glenn made us do it in Jell-O, but, you know, what are you going to do? It's a job. One more thing to always remember before we get going. Andrew Cuomo is awful. Dot com. Stu does America. Ah, yes, our buddy, Andrew Cuomo. It's been a little bit since we've discussed Andrew and his failure of a coronavirus response. But you know what, Andrew? You were never far from our hearts. Previously on this show, we attempted to cover every terrible decision the good governor made while trying to weather the COVID storm. In fact, we were going to do it all in one monologue, and we made it through like the first week. And then on the next episode, we made it through like the second week. Ladies and gentlemen, I do believe that we can get through the entirety of March 2020 on this episode tonight, but I make absolutely no promises. Real quick, though, before we begin, let's have a quick reminder of just how low Andrew and his brother Chris have taken their careers of politician and journalist. I hope you are able to appreciate what you did in your state and what it means for the rest of the country now and what it will always mean to those who love and care about you the most. I'm wowed by what you did. And more Uh, importantly, I'm wowed by how you did it. uh, This was very hard. I know it's not over, but obviously I love you as a brother. Obviously, I'll never be objective. Obviously, I think mm. you're the best politician in the country. Um, But I hope Mm. you feel Mm. good about what you did for your people, because I know they appreciate it. I feel physical pain after watching that clip. Is any of that true? Is Andrew Cuomo really the best politician in America? Huh. Well, there is one piece of truth in there. Chris Cuomo is never going to be objective. We rejoin the Cuomo timeline on March 25th. There are now 30,811 cases and 285 deaths. And little did we know at the beginning of this day, this would wind up being perhaps the most single disastrous day of the entire pandemic around the world. Remember, Cuomo is just a short time separated from telling the state there's no way he would ever ask for a stay-at-home order. 
Now he's begun to recognize how badly he's dropped the ball and takes a couple of different lines of defense. First, New York is a canary in a coal mine. You know, heed our warnings of this unavoidable thing that my incompetence can't possibly explain. We have people who came here from China, who came here from Italy, who came here from countries all around the globe. We have international travelers oh. who were in China and who were in Italy and who were in Korea oh. and who came here. And I have no doubt that the virus was here much earlier than we even know. Mm. And I have no doubt that the virus was here much earlier than it was in any other state because those people come here first. Mm. It's fair. I mean, who could have possibly predicted that New York City was a hub of international travel. I don't know why you'd need to act early with that uh, resume. On March 25th, Cuomo also had to face an embarrassing report from Vice, who exposed his previous lie about inmates making hand sanitizer. In reality, they were just bottling it. Also, it was just a dumb publicity stunt anyway, and I will spare playing you the clip of how he sniffs his hands and brags about the floral scent, including hydrangeas. Mm. But it was this fateful day, March 25th, when Cuomo would issue the health directive that would end the lives of countless numbers of the most vulnerable among us. This March 25th directive literally guaranteed that New York would import known COVID-19 positive patients into nursing homes. Quote, no resident shall be denied readmission or admission to the nursing home solely based on a confirmed or suspected diagnosis of COVID-19. This is a highly contagious virus which obliterates elderly people with pre-existing conditions, and he essentially guaranteed its transmission on a massive scale. But it's worse than that. Nursing homes, quote, are prohibited from requiring a hospitalized resident who is determined medically stable to be tested for COVID-19 prior to admission or readmission. I swear to you that this is true. Andrew Cuomo's administration told nursing homes that they couldn't even test the patients that may have had COVID-19 and then forced them to accept the patients who they knew were positive. And what did Andrew Cuomo say to the state of New York while he was essentially signing their lives away? Take a deep breath. Now, that 3%, that's my mother, that's your mother, that's your sister. These are people we love. These are our grandparents. And we're going to do everything we can to protect every one of them. And I give the people of the state of New York my word that we're doing it. Don't worry, everyone. Andrew Cuomo is giving you his word that he's protecting your grandparents. He says that to New York in public while he's pushing through an order to put your grandparents next to someone who is known to be positive balls of this guy quote i give the people of the state of new york my word that we're doing quote everything we can to protect every one of them he says that on the day he signed their death warrants the abject cruelty of this moment is hard to even imagine they could have tagged it onto the huey lewis scene of american psycho and it would have fit perfectly on March 26th, we're up over 37,000 cases, and Donald Trump enters the storyline. After hearing Cuomo's request for an incredibly high number of ventilators, Trump gets an incredible amount of media criticism for this response. 
But I have a feeling that uh, a lot of the numbers that are being said in some areas are just bigger than they're going to be. I don't believe you need 40,000 or 30,000 ventilators. You know, you go into major hospitals sometimes, they'll have two ventilators. And now all of a sudden they're saying, can we order 30,000 ventilators? <laughs> of course, Trump would proven to be completely right on that. New York never needed anything like 30,000 extra ventilators. I would wait until later in the timeline to tell you about when Andrew Cuomo and the media apologized and admitted they were wrong and Trump was right. But that day never comes. On March 29th, the news of the governor's health directive to guarantee access to nursing homes for highly infectious patients in a battle for their lives against COVID-19 had reached the actual nursing homes. And they couldn't believe it. The Society for Post-Acute and Long-Term Care and Medicine released a statement. Well, I mean, it was less a statement than a letter to beg for the lives of their residents. They warned that they had, quote, inadequate supplies and noted, quote, caring for COVID-19 positive patients is unsafe and jeopardizes all patients in the nursing home. They begged Cuomo to realize that they had massive issues already with staffing who were, quote, absent with symptoms and self-quarantining. They went on to say, quote, nursing home capability to provide high quality infection control may be limited due to situational factors out of their control, such as competencies of remaining available staff and loss of physician and advanced practice providers due to illness, quarantine or surge needs at other institutions. And that, quote, many homes do not have private rooms. Did this persuade Cuomo to bail when he could have still saved Thousands of lives. Of course not. On this day, Cuomo's response had proven to be so inadequate, Rhode Island decided to ban anyone from New York from coming into their state. Cuomo would do what Cuomo does and get in front of cameras to complain. I spoke to the governor of Rhode Island yesterday and uh, we had a conversation. I don't think the order was uh, called for. I don't believe it was legal. I don't believe it was neighborly. <laughs> it wasn't neighborly. Fast forward to this week when New York's situation had mostly passed after becoming the worst single situation in all of the world. And some southern states faced an outbreak. What would Cuomo do? Ban travel and force quarantines. So neighborly of him. After talking trash about those states the day before, he would then troll those struggling states on Twitter. Quote, when New York needed it, our fellow states answered, we'll never forget that generosity, and we are going to pay it forward. We are reaching out to Florida, Texas, Arizona, and other states with high COVID infection rates to offer any assistance we can. Mm, he is the worst. On to March 31st, we started this part of the timeline with Andrew's brother, Chris, slobbering all over his incredible legacy, which is mainly one of efficiently ending lives prematurely. What was he doing? as we would enter this peak of the crisis, receiving more slobbering attention on a national news network from his panting puppy dog brother. With all of this adulation that you're getting for doing your job, are you thinking about running for president? Tell the audience. No, no. No, you won't answer? No, I answered. The answer is no. No, you're not question. thinking about Sometimes it? Sometimes it's one word. I said no. Have no. you thought about it? No. Are you open to thinking about it? Ugh. No. Might you think about it at some point? No. 
How can you know what you might think about at some point right now? Oh my God. Because I know what I might think about and what I won't think about. But you're a great interviewer, by the way. Appreciate it. Learn from the best. Isn't that adorable? By the way, it's the end of March, and we're now over 83,000 cases and 1,941 deaths. Remember those days? This segment of the show, by the way, brought to you by Andrew Cuomo is awful.com, featuring mugs, T-shirts, and yes, face masks with the text, Andrew Cuomo is awful. Get yours today because he most certainly is awful. Trying to sell your home is challenging, and that's why you need a real estate agent who's going to come in and take charge of the situation. Need your house painted? Well, here's who you talk to. Need to replace those stairs in the backyard? I got the phone number right here. It's dialing right now. Talk to the person. Roof repair. I know a guy. That's the person you want. You want the person who's tied into the community, who knows this whole thing frontwards and backwards. Realestateagentsitrust.com is Glenn's company. Uh, And when you have the kind of agents who work with us working for you, you can rest assured uh, that you're going to be in the hands of a capable team of people who will see your selling process through from the day you interview them to the moment you sign on the dotted line. Same goes for buying a home. When you choose your agent through Real Estate Agents I Trust, you've just partnered yourself to a competitive winning machine. Yes, it's true. A team of people who are going to see it through to the very end. All I know is there was not even a way to figure out who a good real estate agent was uh, before this, and now there is. They've screened all these people for you. These are the people that know the community, know your values, understand. They're fans of the show. They're good people. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Realestateagentsitrust, the name kind of says it all. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com. Do it now. Realestateagentsitrust.com. For many years, it seemed that the media had turned John Bolton into a war-craving monster, constantly searching for his next target to invade and destroy. Almost on a hairpin, it now appears that the media have decided that John Bolton will be the confessional hero that rescues the country from the wrath of Donald Trump. Two completely opposing viewpoints, zero zero media self-awareness, of course. Drew Holden from The Resurgent is here to help us understand the media's change of heart and their ongoing love-hate relationship with John Bolton. Drew, thanks for coming on the program. Stu, pleasure's mine. Appreciate you having me back. (laughs) You have uh, another one of your very now famous uh, Twitter threads where, and I'm glad you did this one because John Bolton has been a hated figure among uh, media for for as long as I can ever remember him being in the public eye. And now they've completely turned and gone the other way. Yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing, really. Uh, Bolton has been a war criminal. He's been a threat to the stability of the world, the stability of the United States. He's been hated by every segment of the media for as long as I mean, these are going back to the the, the you know, W. Bush days. And now all of a sudden he is not only the moral arbiter who is going to get us out of this, but he is a good, believable person uh, at the drop of a hat. As soon as he decides to put out a book with a seven-figure book signing deal. (laughs) Good for him. Uh, Let's go through some of your tweets from this uh, thread because they're great. Uh, Rolling Stone has a great one. Uh, Stop calling John Bolton a hawk. A hawk is a noble, useful bird. Bolton is a war criminal. Now, 
the damning drip, drip, drip from John Bolton's leaked manuscript chronicling some of President Trump's wrongdoing with Ukraine continued on Friday. Wow, the tone's a, a tad different I'm noticing here. Slightly different, can't you tell? It's 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 remarkable. I mean, you you would think this man had just fallen out of the sky and didn't have a longstanding history as a person of interest to the American media for decades. Mm. Al Jazeera is on there, too. The, uh, the ugly Americans from Kermit Roosevelt to John Bolton. The regime John Bolton serves is the most naked and vulgar face of brutish power, lacking any semblance of legitimacy, says Al Jazeera. Now it's just very simple. They're just covering the news. President Donald Trump not fit for office, says ex-White House aide John Bolton. Uh, let me give you a couple more here. because these are you, you, I don't know how you find all this stuff, man. You go back and you, you dig these things up, and it's just embarrassing. Um, here's ABC News. Uh, as the president has said, all options are on the table. John Bolton strokes questions confusion with 5,000 troops note during Venezuela briefing. I don't think he's fit for office, former National Security Advisor John Bolton says of President Trump. And uh, let's see. Uh, Kurt Eichwald, if you want to learn what a psychopathic liar John Bolton is, read <laughs> Read this book by Hans Blix, uh, head of the U.N. weapons inspection team in the run-up to the the, uh, Iraq war. Now, the most important lines in the article about John Bolton's book is the last sentence attached. Trump will claim the story China collusion is false and it's a national security issue if Bolton tells the exact words Trump used in an event they didn't say it happened. I mean, the tone is so different and it's it's, it's really embarrassing. Um, Is there ever a moment where these guys have to answer for this? No, you know, Stu, I think what what kills me really, and like there's obviously there's a lot of humor in these threads, but at the end of the day, it's a particularly dark humor because there's never an accounting, right? There's never an apology. There's never, and what really gets me is there's never even a transition period, right? It would be one thing if John Bolton 15 years ago was a persona non grata, and then over time, you know, we have a different idea about this guy. He takes on a different shape. He's a public figure. These things happen. There's not. He's, he's evil until he's useful, and as soon as he's useful, he's noble. And it doesn't make any sense. And what I think the one group of people, even beyond the media, who should really have an accountability who don't are the Democratic politicians. And what gets me, you, you kind of get to it with that Eichenwald tweet originally, where he talks about Bolton being a psychopathic liar. Mm. There were a number of Democrats who went through and didn't say, we don't like John Bolton, he's a bad guy, he's evil. It wasn't just that. It was, he is a liar. He is not to be believed. He has misled the American people. Rep. Adam Schiff talks about how his conspiratorial thinking was why he didn't want to vote for him. Senator Blumenthal worries about his potential conflicts of interest. And Tim Kaine, former vice presidential candidate, last election cycle, Tim Kaine, not only said that he's in the pocket of Russia, but he would go on to say that he has used classified intelligence to mislead the American public. (laughs) Someone they have lampooned as a liar is now the guy who's going to save us with his noble truth-telling when he's the only one who can tell the story. Mm. You, you say something remarkable. incredibly amazing, I think, to most viewers when you remind them that Tim Kaine was actually the vice presidential pick of Hillary Clinton. That is, I mean, the <laughs> most forgettable zilch of a pick in American history. <laughs> it's it's stunning. And I mean, you would think, too, in a lot of ways, the, the neighborhood backyard grilling dad has kind of had a renaissance in, in the public mind. And yet somehow Tim Kaine, who should be the political version of that, uh, is has has lost his moment. He's, <laughs> it's a shame. Very true. Um, let's go to John Bolton specifically first here for a second. How do you feel about him? Because, you know, look, I, I don't necessarily agree with every position Bolton's taken. He's 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 pretty hawkish and, and not I don't always agree with him. Although sure. I think there was a nice mix in some ways there 
with Trump, who is, I think, internally very much wants to stay out of everything. I don't mind having someone there pushing them. We now know they've had this ugly breakup. What is your feeling overall about John Bolton at this point? Uh, Yeah, you know, I think I'm sympathetic. Um, I think the one thing that it's really hard to avoid with Bolton is that he's very, very intelligent. Mm -hmm. You cannot like his personality. You cannot like his view of the world, but he's a smart guy. And so I think I liked having having that presence there. And you're right. I mean, I think I think Trump's his his inkling is usually to not get involved in international situations. There's value in that, particularly set against the backdrop of a Republican Party that historically has been incredibly willing to get involved in any situation. Mm -hmm many of whom we probably shouldn't have, right? And so I think, I think having someone who is, uh, I mean, no disrespect to the Rolling Stone, but who is a little bit more hawkish is probably valuable to have there. And I, that, that was kind of my take on him. Uh, at least while he was a, a member of the administration. Yeah, I mean, in, in some ways, like, I mean, Bolton is very intelligent. And in some ways, though, his media persona, or at least the way they, they framed him, was mm-hmm. almost Trump-ish for, before Trump was Trump in, in the, as it comes to politics. A guy who was outspoken, a guy who said whatever he felt, yeah. a guy who shook it up a lot. I mean, certainly a different profile. Um, I've, you know, kind of always liked Bolton. And one thing I've noticed, too, about, you know, your threads, which are great, is that there is at least an element um, of implied, uh, um, uh, that it, it, not implied, uh, it, it's an underlying part of what you're doing, which is there are people who are partisans on the other side of each one of these things, where people who loved Bolton before now despise him. Sure. And that is just as bad, honestly. I mean, you know, I'm reading the guy's book. He put a lot of thought into it. Absolutely. Uh, I, 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 how do you deal with that? Because there is that other side. Yeah, I don't doubt it. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, I, I think it's there have been a lot of claims that have come out of Bolton's book that I read. And I was like, well, you know, one, I could. And I think this is why it gets so much traction. There's the step back of like, I could envision Trump saying something like that. Right. Right. right? And that that always gives you pause. Um, and you're right. I mean, he was you, you think, you know, I remember uh, God, what would have been a year or so ago when Nikki Haley first stepped up and said, we shouldn't be a member of the U.N. Human Rights Council. And a lot of conservatives were like, yes, absolutely. Look at these. Look at the history of this organization. Look at the people who are on board with it. And why would American tax dollars go to that? That was Bolton's idea. Mm. That, I mean, Bolton was the first guy from any institutional perspective who led that charge in a very deliberately anti-institutionalist way. And I think a lot of conservatives, myself included, appreciated that and continue to appreciate that about him. Yeah. In terms of the book, I mean, I think one of the things that I really do get shaken up about is he doesn't have any notes. He's written this entire book based on his memory, in some cases going back years. That's disconcerting. What I'd like to see happen is let's try and get some verification of what he's saying in, in his book. There's a lot of like there are private conversations that are talked about between the two of them that we're never probably going to know the answer to. Right. But I think there are serious, genuinely mystifying and inhuman claims that come out of that book, particularly about uh, about Trump's encouragement to, to China to put, to put uh, you know you are Muslims in concentration camps that's something we should get to the bottom of we should have a we should have an accounting of what our government is saying about the most dramatic human rights violation that's going on right now we mm. should we should figure that out but it is really hard to take Bolton at face value for me. Yeah, no, it's understandable. I will say this, though. A lot of attention has gone into Trump uh, versus Bolton in this book. The thing I've taken out of it so far, and I'm not done with it yet, is Bolton hates Nikki Haley. Like, I mean, <laughs> despises Nikki Haley yeah. with every fiber yeah. of his being. <laughs> I mean, it is very clear, very early on. That's half the reason he wrote this book. 
Uh, yes, exactly. And, you know, you got to wonder, is this going to be a lodestone around her neck moving forward? She's obviously someone with a, a ton of political sure. ambition. Uh, is is some of this an attempt to cut her down to size? Mm. You know, she's she's, I think, someone who a lot of conservatives. Oh, listen, I got to be honest with you. I don't necessarily get all of the Nikki Haley love. Uh, a lot of my fellow young conservatives in D.C. kind of make her out to be this mm-hmm. this perfect, amazing potential candidate. I don't really see it. Um, and I, I wonder if this starts to change some hearts and minds of people for someone who could potentially be a presidential or vice presidential nominee for the Republican Party in a few years. Drew Holden, we got to leave it there. Uh, Drew Holden's from The Resurgent. Uh, got to follow him on Twitter. Make sure you do that. And we'll retweet his uh, his John Bolton's uh, thread as well. Drew, thanks for coming on the program. Back in a second. As if this show was not enough, uh, might I remind you right now to subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash stew. Make sure to use the code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show. I will say, you know, earlier in this week, we told you about a great special Glenn had on, which is only available at Blaze TV. Uh, the funding of the Black Lives Matter movement, which is something you're not going to get anywhere else. You're not getting that through the media. And uh, I wanted to point you to another amazing thing that happened on this network this week. Somehow, Steven Crowder was able to Airbnb Raz Simone's apartment in Seattle. I, I, can't, even, I can't even describe what a great idea this is. Um, and th- while they were there, they decided to set up a new Chaz. Now, remember, in Chaz, Raz Simone was the guy who was kind of the warlord running the place. We were getting, trying to get him to run for president of Chaz, Raz for Chaz 2020. Uh, I don't know if that ever happened. Uh, but they actually were able to, to get this apartment, and his guys were there setting up a new Chaz inside of Raz's apartment. you got to watch a clip of this. Even Brendan, tell us what's going on in new Chaz. <laughs> yeah, so uh, no one's showed up. Yeah, but we have uh, developments. We have a list of demands. Oh, oh good. Can I oh see God. what they are? Okay. All right. Read these out for us. So first, equality. Okay, that's, that's good. Yeah. Second, Broad. justice. Okay, good. Yeah. Third, weed. That would be, yeah, that should yeah. be on the list. fair wage. Okay. Buy okay. weed. <laughs> fifth, fifth, okay. Fifth, reparations. Six, pot. Okay. Seven. Fund police. Mm. Wait, hold on a second. Did you just say defund police or fun police? Ooh, that would be great. Yeah. I'd love a good fun police. Hey, you know what? Even Brendan, scratch out defund police and change it to fun police. Because yeah. I think that would be a good compromise if like some fun police showed up. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. You have to watch this entire thing. Uh, Steve, <laughs> the new chat sounds like a pretty promising place. I don't know if they're taking new residents at this point. Something tells me that Raz Simone might not be airbnb his apartment for a little while after this. Uh, I'm sure he was thrilled, though. The one thing I would warn you is if you're going to uh, you're going to Airbnb someone's uh, uh, apartment to troll them, you may not want to normally pick a warlord. You might want to go in a different direction. But I'm glad, as far as I know, everyone on Crowder's staff still alive. You can, of course, check his show out uh, every week at blazetv.com. Uh, use the promo code STU. Uh, and, you know, that's because I know you, you like the show and stuff. So check that out. We're back in a second. I'm joined now by someone you may recognize, host of Pat Gray Unleashed. His name is Pat Gray. Uh, he's right here on uh, Blaze TV. You can check that out, of course. Be uh, sure to swing by the YouTube channel as well. Subscribe to The Daily Show. Get it all right there. Pat, um, imagine there's no Star Spangled Banner. It's mm. easy if you try. <laughs> 
Uh, is this something that, that would be, I mean, because Francis Scott Key, total mm-hmm. racist, slave right. owner, yeah. horrible human being in every way imaginable. <laughs> right. uh, we can't keep his song as a national anthem, can we? Uh, yes. Yes, we can. Yes, I, that probably surprises you, but yes, <laughs> yeah. I, I think we can. Uh, it's disturbing. Uh, does anybody even know there's a third verse to that song? <laughs> has anybody ever sung the third verse to that song? Not ever. No one ever has. Never. Nobody's ever done it. Uh, and the one that replaced it with uh, temporarily the uh, "This Land Is Your Land" is a great communist theme as well as as well as "Imagine," which is the perfect communist manifesto. <laughs> and everybody knows it. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I think he wrote it as like a an ode to the communist manifesto. Yeah, there. You know, the the Beatles went through some weird stuff in they that did. era. I mean, from revolution, which is really kind of the opposite, right? Yeah. Like saying, hey, we don't want any of that crap. Right. And they talk about the Constitution in it. Yeah. If you want to change the Constitution, we're, we're going to change your your, he, your head. Yeah. So. And, and uh, you, uh, there's a Chairman Mao reference in there. We right. don't want that anyhow. Right. Right. Um, I mean, it's been a while, but I mean. Yeah. It was, it was like a Nike commercial. So, you know, it's now in my head. Um, but like. And then the Beatles, and then Lennon leaves, and he's doing Imagine. And he's, I mean, is, it, is that just the Yoko factor? How did that happen? It must have been. Yeah. Um, now, I've heard from people that later in his life, like late 70s, he started to mellow out and become more conservative. I don't know if that's true or not. But in the early 70s, I think he was pretty out there. I think he was, he was communist. I think he actually took back writing bad things about Mao. I think he said he regretted that in the early 70s. And so it shows in Imagine... Which, you know, is all about uh, sharing everything together and, and no religion. Uh, it, it seems like a legitimately terrible vision of society. It's awful. Right? It's awful. No, you know, yeah. uh, like, I, 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 they, they make it sound like it's this wonderful vision of the future. Like, I, it does not seem like utopia to well, me. Well, it's a, it's a beautiful communist vision of the future. It's a utopian kind of thing. Um, and when has that ever worked out? I have never seen it. <laughs> So well, uh, Chess. Have you ever been to? I, I have not been there, but I've heard really good things about it. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, it's yeah. very nice. Lots of graffiti. <laughs> if you're a painter, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, I've just, I. It's funny how these things happen, and we've talked about this over the years many times with Glenn as well, where these movements bubble up. Like they mm-hmm. kind of hang out under there, and you hear things like, "Oh, fifteen dollar minimum wage," or uh, "You know, ban ICE," or "Defund ICE," and "Defund the police." And these things bubble up under there, and they don't feel real at all. They just feel silly. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, some event happens, and they are the thing that everyone's talking about. And they start to feel real. Yeah, the "Defund the Police" thing even kind of feels real. Yeah, what happened kind of in Minneapolis, right? It's nuts. Yeah, yeah. If we're going to change the national anthem, though, right now, uh, I think it needs to be Molly Hatchett's flirting with disaster. Yeah. I think that's what it has to be. <laughs> really? Because, yes, we're definitely flirting. Yes. Uh, I think we've already started making out. Uh, <laughs> I think we're beyond the flirting yeah. stage. Yes. Uh, we actually have four children uh, now, which is nice. <laughs> nice little family for the family pictures. Um, those changes, though, are scary because they've ha- they happen really fast. Think these all these name changes that we've seen, uh, you know, cartoon characters going away, um, people, mm-hmm. white actresses who are. There's one we did covered yesterday, a mixed race actress who's voicing a character. She is uh, Jewish and white, and apparently she's counting this mixed race. She is saying that um, the mother in the ca- cartoon is also Jewish and white. Their child is mixed race but has darker skin. 
Mm-hmm. She is dropping out of the series because a mixed race character of her type shouldn't be voicing the mixed race character of the other type. I, I can't even keep track of it. Yeah, it's, it's, and it's happened so fast. Like these are absurd examples. The cops thing, live PD, it has nothing to do with these stories, and people are just in a constant yeah. abandoning mode. And the the interesting thing about the live PD, that's by um, uh, what's his face who. Dan Abrams? Yeah, Dan Abrams, yeah. who's yeah. not a conservative guy. At MSNBC. I mean, he's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like a progressive guy, mm-hmm. and he's losing his show over it, and he's not happy about it either. He, no. I was kind of surprised that he really kind of spoke out. I thought he might be, well, okay, yeah, it's a bad show because it's about cops. But no, he wasn't like that at all. Well, it's absurd. If you think about uh one of the solutions for all these cop problems, what we're told about all the time, is they need to have these body cams on them all the time because then we can really record them. Now, every police officer I have ever spoken to in my entire life loves the body cameras because it constantly gets them out of fake allegations, which still yeah. continue to happen despite the body cameras. But if, if you really believe these people are horrible, the number one thing you want to do is put them on national television because then they're not going to be doing these things. There's been no, right? no murders on live PD as far as I know. Right. I mean, it is it is absolutely the best way to police the police, if that's what you really want to do. Um, But this, as we know, this whole situation doesn't make any sense. I mean, when you have nine people who were unarmed, nine blacks last year who were killed by police, nine Mm -hmm. out of three hundred and fifty million interactions with police. That's I mean, it's is it acceptable no, I, I guess not. But do we all know something bad is going to happen from time to time? Mistakes are going to be made. Yeah. Or you're going to come in contact with a bad cop. Yeah, that's going to happen. And I think nine is a pretty low number for that. There's basically no way to eliminate something that happens There's nine no way. times right. in the United States of America. And I will say, we use the number nine. We're being generous there. Most of those were justified. Right. Like, for example, the one of the nine that we always talk about is a guy who previously in his life had a shootout with police. OK, <laughs> he actually legitimately was shooting at police earlier in his life. That situation resolved itself. They had another interaction with him in which he told police he had a gun and was going to kill them. They shot and killed him. And then we found out he didn't have a gun. Now, that counts as an unarmed murder, I guess. Yeah. Uh, or unarmed death. I mean, sure. But it's not a murder. Right. Right. Well, even the Breonna Taylor situation was somewhat understandable given the circumstances of police, you know, doing the no-knock warrant. Maybe those aren't a great idea. Maybe maybe we should stop doing that. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's one of the things that could come out of this. But when they did it, it was legal. um, And they burst into their home and they got shot at. Well, they fired back. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And like that one seems like, uh, you're right. The rules should probably, I mean, I, I think they should be changed. Yeah. Um, the no-knock warrant seems yeah, that's, problematic. And look, who's been talking about that? Not liberals, but, but, but um, libertarians have been the ones talking about that for years and years and years. Yeah. It has not been a liberal cause until very recently. Um, but it is, I think that is a good idea. Um, and, but like, I can understand how that happens. Like that's one that goes out of control. It's, it's not, it's not racism. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about this the other day in that, we are so, when we're talking about the news thing, we're so programmed now to look for racism 
everywhere we can find it. Yeah. And anytime there's something bad that theoretically the explanation could be racism, we apply it. And the news thing is a perfect example. Like instead of just saying like, wait a minute, all these other garages have that exact same knot. Maybe someone just like maybe someone cut it off. It's just been when left here for a while, which is a rational way of looking at that. You know, mm. I can understand how it gets out of control and people start throwing around. It escalates and it escalates and it escalates. But like we were talking about this the other day. Is there one shred of evidence that racism was involved in the George Floyd murder. I believe it was murder. But I do too. It very well could have been bad police work or a myriad of other reasons. Yep. It doesn't have to be racism. There's no evidence that I know of that this guy showed any signs of racism. Yeah, we have no idea that, that he didn't like black people or he didn't like this black person. or Although I guess they did have some interactions together that weren't necessarily great. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that that even had anything to do with race. It might have just been a personality conflict. Yeah. And that happens over and over and over again. I, I don't know that there's racism involved in any of these shootings. Um, first of all, twice as many white people get shot by police as black people. Yeah, and in, in Minnesota, it's four times as many. Is it four times? Yeah, wow. I mean, there's a lot of white people in Minnesota. Wow. Why, why would any? Black people are too smart. They're not going up to Minnesota. All right. It's too cold there. Yes, way. <laughs> way. Uh, but so we're just assuming a lot. By assuming that anytime this happens, it's a racial incident. Yeah, that's a big problem. It is. That's a big problem. Yeah. Um, before you, uh, before you go, we got some news here in Texas today. Mm-hmm. Now this is really going to affect you. Oh no, bars are closing down again. Oh, don't tell uh, me that. Now I know you're a huge bar fly. Don't tell me that. Uh, you're just hanging out. You're, you're like Norm. You're at you're in the corner stool. Uh, there all, all the time. time. Yep, all the time. They say, "Hey, Pat!" Every time I walk in the door. Pat. <laughs> um, that's not going to affect your life all that much, uh, but. Uh, There is a definite change in tone in this state. Big time. And, you know, you can hammer Mm. Democrats for closing down too much. But like Greg Abbott was the first governor in America who talked about opening up his country and came up with a plan. The first one. Yeah. The fact that he's switching on this is notable. Yeah. He's obviously freaked out. Yeah. Um, And, you know, he might feel a little bit responsible because he went out on a limb and started opening all this stuff up. Too soon, maybe? I, I don't know. I personally think that the protests were involved in this in this spike. Now, they keep saying they're not, but it's young people, mostly, mm-hmm. who are getting this now. Who was out protesting? Was it mostly senior citizens? <laughs> no. Was it mostly nursing home refugees? Yeah. Was it the wheelchair-bound shut-ins? <laughs> a lot. A lot. <laughs> Quite a few of them, yeah. 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 Uh-huh. yeah, so I think it was mostly young people, and those are... You know, I think there's some evidence that maybe uh, this would be about the time when we would start spiking from them. Uh, so I, I don't blame this entirely on on opening, but that's probably going to probably going to spike the numbers a little bit anyway. Yeah. I think that the there's a tough balance to find there. Like, I think everybody understands if you have more interactions with people. You know, you, you, when we went into shutdown, I cut my interactions with human beings by probably 95 percent. Right. Mm-hmm. Like. And so, of course, viruses are going to spread less uh, in that environment. Right. Um, and when you go back to I don't want to say normal life, we're not in a normal life in Texas, but we're a lot closer than a lot of other places. And you're, you're going to see more people. There's more chance of it spreading. I understand that. Mm-hmm. We, I think everybody understands it's going to tick up. The issue is. You don't want it to tick up so fast that it gets out of control. Right. And we've gone from, you know, they wanted to keep the, the positive test rate under 7%. Went from 4, and it was 5, and it was 6, and it was 7. Now it's 12, 13. Ah! <laughs> ah. And still, most of us aren't getting it. Yeah. You don't even go out. Why do you care? I don't even... <laughs> 
<laughs> all you do is mail cookies to people at scrumptiouscookie.com. That's, that's all I do. That's it. That's, that's, I come here. You come here I and, come and here, mail cookies. I mail cookies. That's about it. <laughs> um, are you, uh, what's your, because I, I get the sense just, and, and before, we're almost out of time, but like I get the sense on the kind of conservative side of things. People are generally skeptical, obviously, of government actions, which we both are, but mm-hmm. also just like, almost this idea that people are, are taking this too seriously or doing too much to shut the economy down. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've, I've rated Abbott pretty highly, I think, so far. I think I've, he's done a good job so far. That's going to start turning, though, with, if he starts closing things down. The conservatives are going to start gonna, getting pissed. Yeah. Well, how do you, how do you see, think that he's done so far in Texas? I think he's awesome. But he's the you're, best you're governor we've ever had, okay. by far. By far. And I, you know, I forgive him for trying to go too fast uh, on the economy because we all saw the economy tanking and we're worried about a Great Depression coming. And so he was, I think, freaked out about that and was like, "Okay, let's get this thing open back up. Let's go here. Yeah. And And that's understandable to me. Yeah, I think so, too. And part of part of it. And the other side, though, are you what about the shutdowns now? Do you is that that also I understand it. Yeah. And maybe the bars. You know, is a good idea. People don't care. They have a couple of drinks and then they're just in each other's faces, like yelling at each other. <laughs> right. And this is why alcohol is right. a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah, we've, we've, this is not does not work out well for people. Yeah. Um, I think there's a there's a it's going to be interesting to see how conservatives react to it. it will. People look, people want these things to be open. But, you know, y- you let this thing get out of control. I don't want Manhattan. I don't want another shutdown. No, nobody. I don't want that. that. I, look, I will throw a mask on every freaking day to go to the grocery store if I don't have to go back to that life. Pat. Keep yeah. these damn restaurants open. I need them. I need, as you can see, <laughs> I've been I'm, I'm going to them to too. Obviously, yes. I've been going, <laughs> and I'm too. not. It doesn't worry me at all. Have you been bothered by any of it? I haven't been the least bit no. afraid of getting COVID. Going to a restaurant. No, I try. I, you know, like I, if I have, a, if the weather's nice, I'll stay outside. You know, you try to like, if it's, if it was a jam-packed bar, I would definitely avoid it at this point. Oh, I would too. Indoors, yeah. crowded, and you know, like, oh, I would, like an outdoor football stadium that's half full. I'd go to that. Yeah, I would. I, I would too. Um, all right, uh, Pat Gray. Look, look. If you if you lose access to restaurants and you need nutrients, that's why scrumptiouscookie.com exists. They'll just mail it right to you. Full of nutrients. Yeah, it's one of the healthiest. Well, the good thing about it is one cookie yeah. is enough food for the entire day. <laughs> and it's for sure. Oh, so good. A lot of butter. Uh, a lot no of lard. butter. Uh, a lot of butter. And, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of butter. Pat uh, <laughs> Gray Unleashed is right here. A little on bit Blaze. of sugar, too. A, a tad? Yes. I noticed it was a little sweet. Pat <laughs> Gray Unleashed right here on Blaze TV. Uh, by the way, you can go to blazetv.com slash stew. Use the promo code stew because uh, that's how they know you like this stupid show. Uh, you can check that out and get all of Pat's stuff. Also on YouTube. Uh, and you have a, a new T-shirt out, or a couple of new things out, right? Yeah, I'm trying to think what the latest. Oh, we had the uh, the um, I don't know, ask Cardinal Joe Tobin T-shirt. <laughs> he told me about uh, this. That's available now. So <laughs> there's a long backstory to that yeah, one. It's is. fantastic. It's too long. We're well, out check of time. out all the merch- <laughs> merchandise uh, on uh, Blaze. It's uh, and, uh, if you go to Stu Does Merch, I know it sends you to the merchandise page. So you can see that there and click over to the Pat section. I don't know how else you get there. Uh, check that out now uh, at uh, on the line, online at uh, studiosmerch.com. Pat, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks. All right, see you, see you in a second. Earlier in the week, we did a show called Trump's Battle Plan, uh, and it kind of came up with a theory of how to uh, approach this election. Here's a GOP ad. Tell me, I think they're doing one of the big steps. Watch. I also think that we actually do have an ideological frame. We uh, are trained Marxists. This could be a police cruiser, Tom, that you mentioned that is burning right now. 
I just don't even know why there aren't uprisings all over the country. Maybe there will be. Flames rip through the lower level of St. John's Church. And as you can see, uh, there's definitely a fire here. Make sure that police departments are defunded. We need to completely dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department. I mean, this is exactly the stuff that they need to be talking about, that essentially Joe Biden is a Trojan horse for this. He might seem moderate to you, but this is what comes if you don't pick uh, Donald Trump and Joe Biden becomes president. That's their message. I think that's a winning message if they can actually competently get it across. We'll see if that happens in the coming weeks. See you next week.